Sox fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a good show for you this week. We're going to be covering all the uh, Duck games from the past week, uh, which uh, started out well and then, uh, well, didn't end up so well. So we'll go into all of that and get you caught up on the four games that happened. Uh, we've got some news about some former Mighty Ducks and Anaheim Ducks that we're going to talk about um, towards the end of the show. We've also got some updates on some of the uh, prospects as well that we're going to get to, and of course, fan questions as well. But uh, we'll start off going back uh, this week to the Montreal game where the Ducks were at home. Um, at this time, Montreal was the best team in the league, and the Ducks uh, brought them in, and uh, they defeated them, Eddie. They beat them 2-1 to one in this game. Uh, Raquel got a goal, and Fowler got a goal. The Ducks built a 2 nothing lead. Uh, Montreal did score one late in the uh, third, and uh, with a little bit of shenanigans at the end, but the Ducks were able to hold on and win this one. Yeah, and it was a—I mean, it was a goaltending battle in this game. That was pretty much it. I mean, it was Price versus Gibson in the end. Yeah, I mean, Gibson did get the win, but both goalies just played amazing in this game. Uh, I mean, Price stopped 36 of, uh, of 38, and Gibson stopped 39 of 40. So, a great game for him. It's definitely his best game of the season. Um, you know, hopefully for him, that starts getting him going in the right direction. We we still expect him to be the number one and play 50 to 60 games this season. So, for him to have a big game like this against one of the best teams in the NHL, and a team who can actually score goals this season, it was huge for him to step up and make those 39 saves. Um, and then as for the Ducks as a whole, uh, I think they just played a strong game. You know, they they won the faceoff battle, they outhit them. Uh, the, you know, they they scored on the power play. Penalty kill was perfect. I think it was a complete game for them, and it was you know probably up to this point their strongest game defensively uh, of the season. Yeah, and you know. Uh... It was a good game, like you said. I mean, a good test. Uh, you know, as, as you said, goalie battle as well, and the Ducks were able to pull this one out. And uh, I thought it was a, a fun ending, uh, to say the least, in this one, though. I, um, you know, it looked like the Ducks were going to cruise to a 2 nothing, uh victory. And uh, Andrew Shaw made it interesting. You know, he scored a goal. And then uh, later in the third, you know, right after that goal, basically, he got a penalty. And then he went to the box. And let's just say he wasn't too happy. <laughs> he ended up uh, breaking uh, his stick over his knee. He uh, uh, banged it against the glass. He ended up getting uh, booted out of the game from that. He then goes, um, you know, off the ice into the tunnel for Montreal. He knocks over the rack of all the sticks and, and kind of puts the exclamation point on, on the game almost at that point. Though... The Ducks did get a power play. Uh, you know, a penalty was called right after that on the Ducks. <clears throat> and so it still was a little bit nerve-wracking at the end, even though the Ducks did, you know, pull it out with the uh, one-goal victory. But a little bit of entertainment there at the uh, the end, Eddie. Kind of the uh, the shower, you know, used to seeing on the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that he had a little bit of a temper tantrum. He's, he's that type of hockey player, and, and he boils over pretty easily. Um. Yeah, and it was just a dumb play. I, I mean, you you do a good thing. You score a goal to get your team back into it. You're within one goal. You got about five. Or it was about at the time it was about two minutes, I believe. One two or one or two minutes left. Yeah, the two game. minutes. So you've got a chance to you know tie the game, pull the goalie, and then he takes a dumb penalty. And I, I mean, I'm not going to complain. It helped the Ducks win the game. 
Um, but you know, do we really? Are we really surprised that it, Shaw had a temper tantrum in the penalty box? I don't, I don't really think so. We, we've seen antics from him plenty of times in the playoffs for Chicago, so I'm not too surprised that you know he turned a positive into a negative so quickly. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it was a good win for the Ducks. You know, a little bit of entertainment there for uh, at least uh, you know us on the Anaheim side at the end, and uh, the Ducks pulled out this one. And then they ended up going on their road trip to Western Canada, where they uh, carried the momentum into Vancouver. And, you know, Vancouver's been towards the bottom of the Pacific. And the Ducks ended up pulling out this game as well. Um, you had Silverberg scoring. Kase uh, finally gets his first goal. Cogginal uh, scores as well. And the Ducks, uh, you know, they took out the uh, lowly Vancouver Canucks 3-1 to in this one, Eddie. Yeah, and it was a strong game for for Gibson again in this game and for the whole team as well. We thought, you know, after the Montreal game and then after this one, they were starting to build up, you know, and, and start to get on a roll here. And, you know, they only did generate 24 shots in this game. I uh, got a couple, obviously, Cache got really lucky on the, on the goal that he scored. <laughs> uh, Cogliano and, and Theodore had a a pretty good combination at the end of the game there and, and then obviously Silverberg in the beginning. And then, you know, the, the goal the only goal that Gibson did get scored on was a, a bad bounce off the stanchion right to uh Henrik Steen is how much he could really do on that play. So uh, I mean a great game. They dominated the face offs like they've done for most of the season this year. Um they only got the one power play uh, so they weren't able to score on it, but the penalty kill was perfect in this game as well. And I think it was a strong effort. You know, they played a really, really tough game against one of the best teams in the league, and they came in in this one and, and played a strong effort and came out with a win in this one too. So I think they were, at least for through these first two games, uh, without trying to foreshadow into the next games, they were starting <laughs> to build on, uh, build some momentum. Yeah, and we talked about this on the last couple shows, you know, with the Ducks doing well in one game and then, you know, the next game coming out flat. And, you know, this was kind of one of those games where you thought, okay, they're going to play Vancouver. You know, the Ducks have kind of had their number for a while and, and the Canucks aren't playing too well. Um, but it was good to see the Ducks come out and win this game. Uh, you know, like you said, they, they pretty much dominated this game really until the third period after that, uh, you know, crazy bounce, like you mentioned, on that clearing attempt at uh, – Went off one of the stanchions, came to Erickson. Erickson finds a Henrik Sedin right next to the side of the net there. Uh, you know, seven minutes left to go in the game. And then uh, Vancouver, uh, you know, wakes up basically and, and really starts owning the ice uh, in the you know final five, six minutes of the game. But uh, Cognano puts it away there. So, it, you know, I would say it was a good effort all the way around. Maybe, you know, four or five minutes there where Vancouver uh, dominated. But, you know, only because they had gotten that goal and gotten some momentum. Um, but otherwise, a good game for the Ducks, and they then went on to take on Edmonton, who you remember they had uh, shut down and beat back in Anaheim. And in this one, it didn't work out as well for the Ducks. This was uh, kind of a frustrating game, though. I mean, the Ducks did get scored on first. Um, they answered back. Kessler scored to tie the game. Uh, Edmonton scored again. Um, you had Raquel answer in the third period. And then, of course, the Ducks go to overtime where they've had so much success. Just kidding. They haven't had any success. <laughs> and in, in overtime, they end up losing this one. But this one was a frustrating one, Eddie. Um, the Ducks really played well in the third period. Uh, I thought they could have won this one in regulation. They had a power play at the end of the third period that carried over into the overtime as well. And um, it's really one you thought the Ducks could have got two points out of. 
Yeah, you know, it was a really close game, but like you said, they had the chances at the end of the game to end it, a late power play that extended into overtime, four on three, and they, they didn't really generate much on that power play either. They they wasted a lot of time trying to find the perfect pass. They didn't really get too many golden opportunities on that power play. And then they get burned uh, on a poor defensive play in, in their own end where Drysaddle was left wide open in front of the net, and Sakara just found him, and it was an easy tap-in for him. And it's unfortunate because they did play a, a solid game this game. It was a close game against a, a good team. You know, at the time, the best team in the Pacific Division. Um, and it's it's a game you hope to win against. We talked about it before. Obviously, Vancouver and, and coming up in Calgary, they're not exactly challenging right now uh, for the top three spots. But Edmonton is up there with the Sharks, and you want to beat these teams. You want to get the full two points. You know, even if you don't end it in regulation, at least get that extra point and, and get an advantage on them. And it's disappointing to lose the game. Um, they had their chances. They just couldn't finish them. Yeah, I mean, like we've talked about before, this is one of those four-point, you know, game situations. I mean, the Ducks did get a point out of it. But, of course, you know, Edmonton gets the two. So they, they get one point, move up a little bit more. Um, and it's definitely one that, like we talked about, the Ducks could have won. Um, you know, we're going to talk about the overtime stuff a little bit later in some of the fan questions as well. So we'll address that at that point. But, you know, not a bad game for the Ducks. They didn't play uh, poorly in this one. They, you know, played pretty well. So, you know, they had these three games. They got five points out of six, you know, still hanging around the top, uh, you know, you know, top three or so in the Pacific Division. And uh, the Ducks then ended up going to finish the road trip in Calgary, which we all know <laughs> when the Ducks play Calgary, they're, you know, wild games, high scoring and whatnot. Um, a little, a couple different things happened that we found out before the game, like literally right before we found out that uh, Ricard Raquel was not able to play in this game. Um, he had an upper body injury uh, listed as day to day. Uh, we don't know exactly what the injury is, but we do know that it, it's supposed to not be related to the appendix or any of that kind of stuff. So maybe it's you know something else where he got banged up in a play uh, in that Edmonton game, uh, you know somewhere in there. I don't know exactly, but he was out. Uh, we found out that Camarosa came back. He played in this game, but uh, <laughs> this game. I don't know what to tell you. All, all I know is, is after the first period, it was pretty much all Calgary. They, um, you know, Burnley started a net in this game, uh, obviously because of the back-to-back situation. And uh, the Ducks just had a meltdown in the second period, Eddie. I mean, they gave up five goals in the second period. Uh, you know, they were down six to one. They ended up losing this one eight to three. Um, Calgary did get uh, Johnny Gaudreau back in this game as well, and he, you know he ended up scoring the very first goal in this game, which you know Bernie would have you know liked to have that one back because that was way too easy. But uh, nothing really went right for the Ducks until the end when they got a couple goals in garbage time. But I mean, this was just uh, uh, it's just a frustrating game all the way around, Eddie. It's one of the worst games I've seen them play in a while too, and, and they just got. They just got outplayed, simple as that. I mean, the first goal was a bad one. Uh, Kessler got them back into it, and then from then on, it was just Calgary just turned on to another gear. And it wasn't just like Goodrow and Monaghan and their best players turned it on. The whole team turned it on. They had eight different goal scorers in this game. And almost everybody except for Greg Hathaway for them played over 12 minutes, over 13 minutes in this game. The only other guy who didn't was Furland, but he left the, the game 42 seconds uh, in uh, into his first shift. So 
Uh, I mean, they had a great team effort in this game. Uh, you know, Goodrow comes back, he gets a goal and an assist. Monaghan gets a goal and an assist for them as well. You know, Bennett, Ch- uh, Chason, Brower, uh, Stajan, you know, they all played great for this game. Pretty much everybody had a point for them except for Michael Froelich and, uh, and then Ferland, who ended up leaving the game uh, for their forward line. So just an all-around good effort for them and just a poor game for the Ducks. And if you look at the stat line, it's not even like... If you just looked at the stat line and didn't look at the score, you would never believe it was 8-2. to two. I mean, the Ducks outshot them 33-25. to 25. They won the face-off battle. They grabbed a power play goal. Obviously, the penalty kill wasn't great. They only killed one of the three they had. But hits, blocks were equal, and, and Calgary ended up giving the puck way more. You know, you don't expect to look at the score after that and see the team that dominated most of the categories end up losing 8-3. to three. And, and and it's hard to blame it on Bernier, and, and I'm not going to solely blame it on him. Anytime you lose 8-3, to three, it's not just the goalie's fault. But it seems like after 2-3-4, they kind of just gave up, and Calgary took advantage of that, and they scored, what was it, five five goals in six minutes? So, I mean, we've seen that happen to the Ducks a couple times. Not as bad, but we saw it happen against Columbus, where they scored four really early on in the first period, uh, one of the first times we played them. So it, it's something that's happened more often than you would want it to this season for the Ducks. And we talked about this, how they seem to quit after they get scored on first or they get scored on a couple times. And we saw that really badly in this game. Yeah, I agree. After, you know, a few of those goals were scored, in, you know, in the uh, the second period, it just was like an avalanche, basically. I, I, I remember, you know, uh, just sitting there watching it and, you know, one goal scored, and you're like, okay, then another one, and then another one, another one. You're just sitting there going, like, I mean, you just put your hands up in the air, and you're just like, really? And uh, I know a lot of the fans are frustrated during the game, not just because of what was going on in terms of Ducks getting scored on, but a lot of people were like, why wasn't Bernier pulled? You know, and so we didn't find out what it was until after the game. And, uh, you know, for, for some of you that, <laughs> you know, may have had this issue before, but I guess Gibson had some kind of a stomach issue. And uh, Carlisle was, was referring to it as being a, a, a case of diarrhea, I guess, is what he said. So, I, I you know, I don't know if Gibson ate something bad in Edmonton or he ate something bad in Calgary or, or he got sick somewhere. I, you know, I don't know. But I, I guess Gibson was not 100%. That's why he didn't come in. So it, it wasn't Carlisle, you know, uh, testing Bernier or doing anything on purpose, you know, towards Bernier. But that that's what was going on. So... Uh, he he had to play in the rest of this game, and it's just a frustrating night um, for the Ducks. I mean, like you said, uh, they get down by a few, um, and they just couldn't recover. And, uh, you know, the only bright spot was uh, you had Kessler in this game. He got two goals. Uh, you know, he leads the team with 11. Uh, Logan Shaw got his first goal as a, uh, you know, a, a member of the Anaheim Ducks, um, you know, small potatoes nothing you know worth anything in this game but i mean those are the only things that really happened you know the ducks did get a couple of those goals at the end you know to you know make it a little closer but you know just something to forget about and look forward to the you know the homestand this week eddie yeah you know 8-3 looks better than 8-1 but you're still you know you're still <laughs> not getting any points from the game so it doesn't really matter um, yeah, and I was also I was really surprised how candid uh, Carlisle was with his comments <laughs> at the end of the game. Normally, you would expect him to say, "Oh, he had an illness and he couldn't play," but he came out <laughs> and described in in very clear detail what what was happening <laughs> with Gibson in this game. So, um, 
I mean, hopefully we. I mean, he should be okay, and we. Yeah. I would highly doubt that we see Bernier start against Carolina after uh, <laughs> letting in eight goals against Car- uh, Calgary. So, um, depending on how Gibson plays, they have one day of rest between each of these next few games. Um, and you know, Carolina is the easiest game. Then you got to play the Sharks, which is a very important game, especially where they are in the standings right now. And then you're playing a hot Ottawa Senators team after that on Sunday. I mean, if Gibson plays good against Carolina, he'll probably go for San Jose as well. And if he plays good in both those games, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him play again in Ottawa if he's playing well. I, I mean, it's hard to go to Bernier after letting in eight goals. And, and again, I'm not going to say it's his fault. Uh, that first goal was awful, but from there on, the whole team was just bad as a whole. But, I mean, anytime you let in eight goals, it's difficult to go back to uh, soon <laughs> after that. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm pretty sure Gibson will go, uh, you know, at least in this, uh, you know, Carolina game. Um, uh, and hopefully he's he's fine. You know, I haven't heard anything, any, you know, different or whatnot. So we'll look for him to go in that game. And um, with some of the other moves that happened this week, uh, we saw uh, Wagner get uh, sent back down to San Diego on the uh, the Five Freeway Express or the train. I, you know, I, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, him and Theodore – have been logging more miles than I think anybody on this team, but uh, they had an interesting game in San Diego. Uh, they did play the uh, Bakersfield Condors. They were losing in that game. Uh, Stefan Nason scored with uh, just over nine seconds left to tie the game, and then Chris Wagner scored in overtime to win this game. So, you know, uh, Chris has been getting some more ice time down there. You know, he, he went down. Um, a little while back and had a goal and two assists. So a good win for the goals. Uh, You know, they've been on fire lately. They've uh, been winning a lot of games. Uh, They had a stretch there of eight games that they had won in a row. So uh, they really turned it around down there, Eddie. Yeah, and they actually have a pretty good team. Uh, I mean, they don't have any uh, all-stars prospect-wise probably other than Brandon Montour. Uh, but they're just getting a good effort from a lot of people. I mean, Corey Trapp has been really good for them. I don't think we expected that much offense from him, even at an AHL level. Um, and then Cali Kusilla, who came over uh, from from St. Cloud in the NCAA, he's been good. Kevin Waugh has been good. Um, they've just got you know production from a lot of different guys that you might not necessarily expected to produce at the level they are right now. And then I mean, obviously, it late as of late with the eight game winning streak that they had. And you know they're sitting second in the Pacific, only a point behind Stockton. Uh, so I mean they've just been doing really, really well lately. Um, hopefully they can t- continue it. Obviously Wagner is going to be up and down all season. Theodore is probably going to be doing the same. Um, I I doubt Kashe goes goes down anytime soon with the way he's playing. Uh, but I think they have enough depth between the Ducks roster and and the roster they have down there right now that they they can stay competitive and, and hopefully make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. You know, the goals have been playing very well right now. Uh, turn it around after that poor start. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple of writers that cover the goals. So we've got, you know, our, our uh, bi-leakly reports that come out. Look for those, um, you know, and, and also we have some of the updates on the prospects as well that come out. So always check for those articles, which, uh, you know, we've got an update on some of the other prospects too this week. We found out that uh, Jacob Larson, uh, Julius Notnan, Sam Steele, and Troy Terry are all on the preliminary rosters for the World Juniors. Um, we haven't heard about Max Jones yet. You know, he's been injured, if you didn't hear about that. So we kind of expect him to 
be in there too in the mix. But um, that's some you know good news. I mean, some of these guys were on there last year as well, Eddie. But of course, it's always good to see these guys you know do well and and get a shot at the uh, junior championship. Yeah, I think we all expected Sam Steele to get a call up with the way he's been playing. Obviously, just came back from injury a couple games ago, but you know, tonight he put up two goals in their overtime win for for Regina in the WHL. And I mean, we expected him to get called up. Uh, Nottenen, who was a key piece in Finland's uh, World Junior Championship last year, uh, they're going to have no Line. Obviously, they're going to have no Puljujärvi, most likely. So he'll be a key figure, and will most likely make the team. And, and then Larson as well. Um, just the experience alone, and the, the caliber uh, that he plays at, you would expect him to to come over and play. So you know, those not not to say those three guys are locks. Uh, but I think they're definitely guys you would expect to to be on the final roster, barring any injuries or any you know, very poor play. I think Troy Terry's the uh, the surprise one. It'll be interesting to see if he does make the roster. Obviously, Max Jones, I assume, isn't there because of his injury right now, currently. Um, but you would expect him to, you know, de- depending on how severe the injury is, to uh, to be on the final roster once the World Junior Championship starts. But if he isn't, it'll be interesting to see if Terry can make the team and how well he does. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen a ton of him. I, I know when the Ducks drafted him, there was a little bit of hype over him, you know, kind of dropping so low because of his size. And he's had a pretty productive season in NCAA so far this uh, this season. So it'll be interesting to see how he does and if he can make the team. And it'll be a, a big achievement for him to to make that World Junior Championship team. Yeah, and with that, you know, we'll keep you up to date on, you know, what we hear about any of the other prospects that, uh, you know, are going to, you know, hopefully make that uh, final roster as well. You know, we'll obviously provide updates and articles um, as it gets closer to that time. Um, with that, uh, you know, we'll get to the fan questions. Uh, you know, we have a handful of your questions. You know, every show uh, we go through them and answer them and give you our uh our opinions and analysis and what we think uh, as far as, you know, where the team's going and uh, the way the personnel and the coaching is going and whatnot. And uh, with that, the first question, Eddie, we have gotten this week is uh, from Patrick. He asks about Getzloff and Perry and whether or not you should play them on separate lines. And if we do think they should be on separate lines, what should the line combinations be? And, uh, you know, I, I wrote an article about this a couple of weeks ago uh, on the Hockey Writers, and I, I discussed this. And I, I, you know, I thought it was something that the Ducks should try to do. I mean, um, the way that they've been playing right now, you've got Getzloff and Perry. They both can get in tons of assists, but not scoring as much. Um, you know, I'm I'm down for the Ducks to try and you know change it up a, a little bit. And and if they're going to switch the line combinations around, you know, I wouldn't mind maybe seeing something with uh, maybe Richie Casse and uh, Getzloff on one line. That might be something to look at, and maybe Perry Raquel and Vermette on one line is. You know, just some ideas I've thrown out there. I mean, I, I don't think the lines have been doing terribly, but if they're going to change it up, you know, that's something I've kind of looked at. Eddie, what do you what do you think about switching it up a little bit, or do you keep the twins together? Um, you know, I think they they could explore it. Um, I don't know if putting Perry with anybody else is really going to help him break out of his goal scoring slump though to to be honest with you I mean the best passer on our team is Getzloff I mean he sits second in the NHL only behind Connor McDavid in assists I think eventually the goals are going to come for Perry um 
you know, splitting them up, does that really help them out? I'm not too sure. Uh, and, and then, again, with the, the line combinations themselves, you're not going to get too different than they are now. I, we doubt that Cogdano, Silverberg, and Kessler are going to be split up. They haven't been split up for what seems like forever now. They seem to be right. together every time they're out there. So, uh, again, you can't really do much. Vermette's going to obviously be a center on that uh, that third line. And then it's just depends on where you decide to put Richie, Cachet, we, uh, Kyler, Raquel, and Perry. This, so not much will change. I mean, Perry's obviously going to play right wing. Uh, is going to play right wing. So then Richie and um, and Raquel are going to be playing on the left side. So it's either you have like a Raquel and Cachet with Getzlaff, or you have Richie, Getzlaff, Cachet, like you said. Um, there's not too many options you can change if you're going to keep guys in, in their preferred positions. And it, I doubt we see anybody from the fourth line in, in garbage, right. Shaw, or Bull get moved up off of the fourth line. Uh, so I, I really don't know. I do, it, like, to answer the question, would it be beneficial to separate them? Right now, I don't think so. Um, there's not too much like parity in the way you can separate the lines. But you know, if they try to, I, I'm not opposed to them trying it out for a game. And I think if you're going to try it out for a game, I think for the three games we have this week, the Carolina game is probably the game you'd want to do it for. They're the weakest opponent of the week. Not to say that they're an easy opponent, but if you're going to test some things out, I think it's better to test out in that game than, say, test it it out against the the Sharks. Yeah, I I agree with you. If they're going to switch it up, that would be the time to do it. Um, You know, another question that's kind of related to this, too, is uh, Brayden asks about uh, the scoring. Uh, Basically, you know, from game to game, it's it's not always been necessarily the same. But he also talks about uh, Perry and him trying to, you know, set screens and get in front of the net as much and kind of what's happened to that. And, you know, Perry's gotten, you know, a a lot of criticism uh, recently because of, you know, not being able to score, but I don't think it's so much as far as setting the screens necessarily, Eddie. I mean, I think that he's been in and around the net. Um, you know, he's getting the assists. Uh, he's not necessarily getting the goals. He's not scoring at, you know, goals from distance, but that's not really his game. His game has always been in and around the net. So, um, you know, I don't know if he's not, necessarily setting enough screens but uh maybe he's he's not getting in there enough when there's rebounds and things like that but uh, you know he's been close a few times and it just seems you know at times he's just kind of been either in the wrong spot or the puck goes the wrong way or it goes off the post um you know i'm not making excuses i'm just trying to describe what's been going on lately and i I do think he's going to pick it up and start scoring um but I don't. I don't see him really changing too much. I, th- I mean, it kind of goes back to the other question. If you're if you're going to really uh, change it around, then maybe you switch the lines up. But I mean, o- his overall play, um, you know, it hasn't been great. Don't get me wrong, but it hasn't been terrible either. Yeah, and and really, it is just getting that one and getting the confidence. And and when you're a goal scorer and you go so many games without scoring a goal, you start to doubt your abilities. And I think for him, it's just finally getting that goal and continuing on from there. And, you know, as for, for him using the, the old play that he used to use and a lot of players used to use of, of kind of using the defenseman as a screen to take the shot, you just don't see that happen anymore. I mean, the game has changed so much over two seasons where you don't see a lot of things happening. I mean, Ovechkin used to use that play 
every night you would see him score a goal where he would use a defenseman as a screen. And yes, it still happens, but not to the regularity that it used to happen. And that's just defenders are quicker now. They're younger. They're faster on their feet. They they make smarter plays. The the, the defensive aspect of the game and, and the players that we have in the league right now, it, it's just a better level of defensive play. And it's harder for players to do that anymore. You don't have the enforcer defensemen anymore who are there just to fight. You don't see that that often anymore. Usually you have six guys who are, are quality defensemen in the league, and it's difficult to make plays like that. Um, so do I see him, you know, that being an issue to why he hasn't scored? No. Like you said, he is playing well. He's putting up more assists than we have ever really seen him do at this point in the season. He's just not burying the chances that he's getting, and, and this that happens. I mean, goal scorers go through slumps. This is a really, really bad one, probably one of the worst of his career so far. Um, but we still know he can score goals, and he is a pure goal scorer. Uh, and do I still think he can get 30 goals this season? Yes, he just needs to finally get that one. Uh, and it's a matter of time now. Uh, I mean, good goal scorers will adapt and find the back of the net. And for him, I don't see it lasting too much longer. Yeah, I agree with you. I think as soon as he can break through and get one, then, I mean, things will start going. I mean, he started the season all right, you know, uh, better than he did last season where it took him forever to get a goal. And then he got going, and now it's it's been a little bit different. You know, he started out getting some goals in, in the month of October. Then obviously the month of November has been a, a huge drought in terms of you know scoring, as he didn't get any goals. But I I, I would look for him to pick up uh, hopefully this month. And you know even with him not you know picking up, it's not like the Ducks are playing terrible. I mean the Ducks have still been fighting it out. They've been in the top three of the Pacific. Um, they're doing better than they did last year too as well. So. Um, I am a little concerned that he hasn't scored as much, but I do think that it's going to get better down the road. Um, another area that, uh, has been brought up about the ducks, uh, Clarissa asks about, and this is <laughs> something that was, you know, an issue last year as well too, was a three on three play, which again, this season has been an issue too. the, uh, the ducks, you know, obviously we talked about, they lost this last week to the Oilers on the three on three. And uh, this season, the Ducks haven't even won in the overtime. They've lost every time they've gone into the overtime with only one time they went to that shootout, which we all know that the Ducks got ripped off on that one against the Islanders. But in terms of the overtimes, you know, they, they don't get the job done. And uh, Clarissa asks, you know, what do the Ducks need to do to improve? You know, what are they doing wrong necessarily? And it, it kind of goes in line with what you said about Perry. I think in the three-on-three the Ducks win the face-offs. We've talked about this. They're they're you know great five on five, four on four, three on three. You know whatever the case is in terms of winning the draws and the dot. But the problem is is they're not cashing in and bearing their chances. Um, you know, and I think it was really disappointing in this game against the Oilers because they started that overtime with a little over a minute of four on three, and they couldn't get it done. So to me, that's kind of the issue. Is is I think the Ducks need to work on setting up some plays. Uh, during three on three and just execution i think that's been the key eddie because it seems like they win the face off they get a chance they blow it then the other team comes down on you know some kind of an odd man rush and it's just game over yeah and it's it's hard to 
to really predict success in, in overtime. Obviously, it's been really bad for them this season. You, you look at some teams who have done good. You know, Philadelphia lately has done really good in overtime. Uh, the Kings have done really good in overtime lately too. And and it really just comes down to the, the speed of play and, and the precision of the plays that you, you make in, in overtime. And what we've seen from the Ducks is, especially on the power play against the Oilers, is they're waiting for that perfect pass. And, and you know they're just they're playing a slow kind of build up game that that works really really well in five on five or five on four, but in three on three you've got to be quicker on your feet. And, and no offense again to Getzlaff and Perry, but when they're when they're out there, you know you can't always slow it everything down in three on three. Yes, you have more ice, but the game if you make one mistake, you got to go back up the the other way. So yep. I think it just comes down to getting the right guys on the ice. Um practice i mean it's cliche but <laughs> really like i think this is something they really need to focus on now i mean at the beginning of the season okay yeah they've lost three or whatever and it's embarrassing but okay but now it's five what well, i think it's zero and five and overtime and then lost again mm-hmm. in the shootout mm-hmm. i mean the shootout one yeah that was a little bit of a questionable one they should have probably won that because of the the thomas hickey goal but for the ones in overtime those are all their fault uh They've had chances in those ones for sure, and they haven't been able to bury them. And it's something they've got to work on for sure because you, that's five points you're missed out on right now. If you have those five points, you're first in the Pacific Division, and you're laughing right now. But I mean, even if you have half of those points, you're you're closer up to the Sharks and the Oilers. So you know you're giving away free points right now. So yeah, it seems you know minimal to say, oh yeah, they just have to improve in overtime. But the more points you give up, you know, the less chance you have of making the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the only other thing I can suggest is don't go to overtime. <laughs> you know, win the game in regulation. Don't don't let it get to that point. Which, I mean, granted, you know, the Ducks have only gotten there a handful of times. Let's be real. You know, they've actually most of the games have been either won or lost in regulation. Uh, but all joking aside, no, I agree with you. I, I think part of it is the personnel stuff. I mean, you do see Getzloff out there. And I think part of the issue when he's out there, like you said, is he's trying to set up a play and do a perfect pass or a perfect situation you don't really need that you just need to get it down there uh you know create your chances and, and try and go with it and and if you don't you got to make sure you have guys on the ice that can get back perry and gets aren't the guys on the ice that are going to get back in time for you so uh, you know it's something that they got to look at in the overtime i would have fowler out there kessler out there cogliano silverberg raquel those are the guys i'd be throwing out there uh, lindholm uh, you know those are the kind of guys that i'd be making my um you know lineups as far as you know my, my three guys but that's the way i would look at it um hopefully they don't go to overtime too much you know because they didn't do well last year and they're not doing well this year but um with that we got a couple more questions we'll get to real quick uh we've got a couple people asking about uh, trades again uh obviously you know the trade deadline's still a little bit away we have um alex asks about you know the if the ducks you know and also ties into the expansion draft as well which we've talked about in the last couple shows but you know, he asks about the Ducks trying to get a uh, left winger. Um, you know, if that if that's still in the cards. We also have uh, Eddie Richard asks about. Uh, it's kind of a rumor we heard before, but if Landeskog is going to be traded from Colorado, possibly for Fowler, if that's something that that we've heard, I I haven't heard anything like that lately. I mean, that that came up before, but um, it's still you know obviously a little early uh, as we talked about with Dupre and Thompson and all those kind of issues in the cap and everything, but. Um, I still think that that's something the Ducks do need to do, Eddie, um, in terms of this team. I still believe this team 
uh, will finish in the top of the Pacific. I still think this team can make the playoffs. But if this team really wants to make a push, then, yeah, they're going to have to make a move to get a- another forward for sure that can score. Yeah, uh, they've you know they've been sitting around middle of the pack, fifteen, sixteen, you know, fourteen in goals per game throughout the season so far. And you know the big part of their play early on was their their goals against per game. They're in the top ten, obviously with that eight three thrashing. They've dropped down to twelfth right now, but uh, I mean it, it is something they need to work on. I mean they're getting increased production from Kessler, something we didn't expect him to have eleven goals and lead the team right now. It, it's helping with the fact that Perry isn't scoring, but uh, you know even with Perry scoring, I think they still need to try and get that uh, that guy. It doesn't need to be a superstar, and you know obviously the rumors. You know I haven't heard anything about Landis Cog this year, but we heard about it last year. There was a whole right. debacle we had uh, one night on Twitter where somebody was rumoring that Landis Cog was coming, or that Colorado and Anaheim were going to make a trade, and it was Landis Cog, then it was Duchesne, and then it was this guy and that guy. But I haven't heard anything since the start of the season, and or even a little bit into the first week, referring to Ducks trade, especially since Lindholm has been signed. I haven't heard anything in regards to Fowler or Votnin or Lindholm being traded. So. It's all quiet on that front, but yeah, I think they do need to add somebody. I mean, we look at the Oilers, they've been fairly consistent this season. They've kind of tailed off a bit, but you expect them to make a push for the playoffs. The Sharks have been very good this season. Uh, They look likely to finish in in the top uh, of the Pacific Division so far. Calgary, lately, they've won their last four. You know, Goodrow's back from injury. We expected them to be good this year. They weren't getting the goaltending that they needed, but now Chad Johnson has stepped up and he's been phenomenal for them lately. And they're winning games, and you know they're making a threat right now to to get back into the mix. And obviously the Kings, you can never count them out. They don't have Jonathan Quick right now. They don't have him for a while, but they're still a team that is going to find ways to win games. So the Pacific Division is going to be tight this year. I mean, you could probably throw the Arizona Coyotes and the Vancouver Canucks out the window, but then you still have those five teams. You know, the Ducks have to fight with four other teams for, for those spots. So, you know, adding a winger can definitely help. But, again, I don't see it really happening until the trade deadline. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and like you said with the division, it, it's it's a tight battle right now. I mean, I still think that they can pull it out and be one of the top three teams. But by no means is it going to be easy. I mean, with the way that we've seen these games go... You just don't know what's going to happen on any given night. I mean, you you see him beat the league's best, you know, Montreal two to one, and then you see him get smoked literally by uh, the Flames, you know, eight to three. So um, I think adding that, getting a little bit more scoring in there, uh, has definitely been needed for them, you know, to solidify one of those top three spots. Because I mean, you don't know if four teams will make it. You know, the Central Division is pretty competitive too. So maybe five out of that division and three. Uh, you know, out of the Pacific again, like it was last year. I mean, it's still way too early, but you know, just by looking at what we're uh, going by right now. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, a couple months away from the trade deadline, and uh, we'll keep you updated on that front as well. And uh, we also had some more questions on the uh, expansion draft. Uh, we're not really going to cover that. We've covered it in the last couple shows. So for those of you that have any questions about it, um, you can go back and listen to that. As as it gets closer, we will talk about it more and more. Um, but for now, we're going to hold off on that. But we will talk about the Las Vegas team. Uh, they were in the news recently, Eddie. We we talked about them, you know, being named the Vegas Golden Knights. And it uh, looks like the Army, the U.S. Army, is not too happy about that. Uh, there's a recent uh, report that they're looking into the name. 
because the Golden Knights is also the name of their parachute uh, team. So that's an issue that's come up. Um, nothing has been determined or resolved yet, but uh, it's an interesting situation, Eddie, because they came up with this name, and according to the reports, uh, the Army wasn't really talked uh, to or advised about this name. So, you know, it's I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, it's uh, they're not happy. <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't really know how this works. We haven't seen it really happen that often. We, we know early on they had issues with the London Knights, overusing the the word knights and now of course using golden knights and and the fact that it's the exact same thing uh the army has for the parachute division it's it's interesting it, it is really interesting because they've already announced this they've already got the logo and if they're and if this ends up you know going against them and they have to change this it's i mean it's all new ground and new territory we haven't seen and you know do they really have a backup plan i mean once you settle on a name and you've got it out there already. You've probably sold merchandise already. You've sold hats. You've sold everything. You haven't revealed the jerseys yet, and uh, but still, you've you've got it out there, and you've got this is the face of your franchise, and this is your name. And you've already announced it to the world, and then if for some reason you have to change it because of of a lawsuit, it'll be disappointing for them. And you know, I'm not a huge fan of the name and the logo to begin with, but I, you know, I I don't want to say it's petty because I feel like they do have a right to fight it. Um, they probably should have done more research and looked into it. And, and you know, it, it is the Golden Knights Parachute Division, so they should have contacted them and asked their right, their, their permission to use it. But in the end, it's not hurting anybody using it. it. It's not degrading anybody by using it. It's not degrading the the, the U.S. Army by using. It. I feel like they're they're in, they can investigate it if they want, but. If they really make them take away the name, I feel like that's that's a little bit harsh for for what it really is. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, it's kind of a touchy situation. I mean, it's kind of funny because <laughs> when I think about this, I actually think back to starting Ducks and Pucks, and I think about coming up with this name. And I remember sitting down with one of my friends trying to come up with a name. And this is kind of advice for any one of you out there that's trying to start, uh, you know, a blog, a news site, a clothing brand, a, a team, whatever it is you're trying to start. Um, just do your research. I mean, it's not easy because I, I don't even remember the, all the other names that I had come up with and things I had looked up and. You know, I had gone around and looked on the internet and talked to people and found, oh, great, this name's being used and this name's being used, and. You know, maybe the Army doesn't have the parachute team name, you know, trademarked or whatever. And and, and maybe it, it is a little bit, you know, petty if they try to really make a big stink about this. But at the same time, you know, uh, Vegas, they didn't go talk to them. At least that's what the report says. That's what's really happened. So if that's the case, I mean, that's it's kind of more of a, you know, lack of respect, communication kind of issue in that realm. So... Uh, it's just difficult. I, I think you just have to do the research and be careful because that's that's what I ended up doing. And um, I didn't see ducks and pucks anywhere. Um, you know, I and I was able to grab all the accounts. I remember there was one person that did have it on Twitter. Ended up talking to that person. They, uh, if you remember, we weren't even ducks and pucks originally on Twitter. We were ducks and pucks '93, way back in the beginning when we nobody knew who we were. 
and um, you know, ended up talking to that person and working it out. So those things come up, and and they're problematic now. And it's just really difficult in today's society to come up with an original name for anything. I mean, how many teams have lions and tigers and all these other you know mascots? So um, I don't think the army will push them too hard, and it'll be a problem. I think it'll get resolved. But if it's not, man, what a big mess, Eddie. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be it'd be ridiculous. I mean, you would expect the team to do some kind of background check on the name, and, and you know, we don't know if they had already known about this or not with the U.S. Army and the fact that there was it, or maybe they just thought, hey, it's not going to be that big of an issue if we go and go ahead for it. But you know, they obviously did their due diligence with the London Knights and and had issues with them and having true, true. knights as their name, but. You know, to miss this and to not talk like there's there's obviously there was no communication and that's why this is being investigated because if there's communication and they allowed it then we wouldn't be dealing with this right now but it's just poor management really I mean you're using a name like you said you you looked at at every avenue you could to make sure you weren't copying it from somebody else and the fact that they they settle on Gold Knights as their name and they're going to use this and broadcast it and, and, and put their name on it and put it out and sell it for merchandise and everything like that, and they didn't really look it up and find out if anybody else was using this for anything, not just sports teams or anything like that, but using this for anything, they didn't really look it up. I mean, it probably just takes one Google search to search Golden Knights and you can find a bunch of different things, especially <laughs> before when you were behind the scenes, before you even had announced this. There would have been a lot less searches for Golden Knights and you probably could have figured it out and contacted them, but I don't know. It, it, it would be a mess. It'd be, it'd be ridiculous and it'd be something we've never seen before in the NHL. Yeah, I agree, and uh, all I can say is stay tuned until you know something else comes out about that. Um, you know, and going from one conflict <laughs> to another conflict, our uh, our old boy uh, Pat Maroon was in the uh, the news recently, and uh, if you watched the uh, Edmonton Oilers take on the Minnesota Wild, you saw that uh, McDavid. Um, took a, a, a trip where he ended up falling, uh, landing, uh, you know, kind of chest first on his uh, jaw on the ice. And um, the whole issue, obviously, that, uh, you know, has been a big topic in the NHL and the NFL and, you know, starting to spread around a lot of other sports as concussions and whatnot um, and being checked out. And that whole, you know, basic process and everything that's going on now, uh, you know, Pat Maroon in a post-game interview talked about it being, a, you know, a man's game, which... Um, it just blew up on the internet. Uh, I mean, he just he just got blasted uh, for his comments because some people took it as being sexist and all these other things. And then he he uh, put out a response, which he then deleted, uh, in which he was saying that he wasn't talking about that. He's more talking about you know just the sport of hockey and how it's a physical game, which is what I is what I took it as. I took it more as, you know, hockey's a, a, a physical game as opposed to, you know, you know, men versus boys kind of thing, not men and women. But I don't know. It, it got all blown up. And this was just a crazy thing, Eddie, that, uh, you know, happened. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of on the middle on this one. I mean, um, I don't really think he said anything necessarily wrong. Obviously, you got to be careful with what you say. But I also thought the media kind of ran with this, and uh, I don't know. I just felt like it, it just got carried away, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I feel the same way. I mean, you, as an athlete and as a, anybody who has a presence in, 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 in the media, you have to know what you're saying and how it's going to affect people. But 
they they did take this and run with it and, and, and kind of spew it in, in a in a nasty direction. I mean, by no means did he mean that hockey's a man's game in general and that women can't play it. That wasn't even the context of the conversation in any way. You know, he was talking about about McDavid and the fact that, uh, with the concussions and everything like that, and that he got pulled off the ice. I I mean. If anything, they could have taken it as him saying you should fight through the pain and concussions and keep going. That, right. that would have made sense. That, I mean, that would have made sense because that's essentially what he was saying. Right. So, and no, in no part of that conversation between the interviewee and Patrick Maroon was women's hockey brought up at all. So I don't see why. I mean, you, I can understand how the comment could could maybe not sit well with, with women's hockey players and and anybody who supports women's hockey. I mean, I support women's hockey too, but I don't see it as, I see it like you saw it, as it's a man versus boys. Like, this is a man's game. You know, I mean, they can fight through the pain where they're not, you know, they're not babies, they're not boys, they, you know, they're not playing minor hockey. They can, they can fight through the pain and they can, they should be able to deal with it. And if they had taken that and said, well, that's not okay, we got to make sure they're healthy and okay, look at all the issues with concussions, how could you say that? Then that's fine. Then he would deserve that criticism. But the fact that he was criticized for being sexist and this and that, I mean, that was a little bit over the top. I don't think he deserved uh, that type of criticism. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I just don't think that was really the issue. To me, and, and this is, you know, like I said earlier, it's going across in other sports, especially, uh, you know, in professional football uh, and in a lot of other contact sports as well, is the whole concussion thing. And I, and I think the issue here is it's balance. It's are we protecting the players doing these concussion protocols, making sure that they're taken care of, but at the same time, are we not being overreactive and, and protecting people for every single bump and bruise that they get? And I think it's difficult. I, I, I think it's a, it's a very hot topic. Um, we've seen it, you know, all these new rules coming into place in the last several years to protect the players, you know, sometimes against themselves, too, because they just want to run back out there on the ice or the football field or whatever it is and play, um, which is a normal instinct. I, you know, I, I've been there. I know what it's like to get your bell rung and then to get up and be like, hey, I'm fine. I'm going back out there. And that happened to me in a, in a football game, and the coach pulled me out, and I had to sit out for a little while. Even though I felt fine, I was ready to go. That's what they did. I didn't agree with it at the time, but later on, it was the right thing to do. So um, I just think that that's what the whole issue is. And I think Maroon was more upset with, oh, you know, we're, we're pulling out people all the time for every little thing that happens now. And I, that's what I think the whole nature of this discussion was. It has nothing to do with men and women at all in, in professional sports. At least that's the way I took it and the way that the play happened and whatnot. I just think it's this whole balancing act that we have to do um, of letting players want to play but also protecting them and making sure that, you know, that they don't have these career end ending injuries and also life, you know, debilitating or threatening injuries as well. Yeah. And I think it's disappointing as a team aspect, especially when it's your best player and, and for him to say he's okay and then to be pulled off the ice. So I can see why he is disappointed in that, in that aspect. I mean, did they end up losing that game? I think they ended up losing that game. So I can see why he would be disappointed, and you lose your best player for for you don't know how long and during that game, you you know uh, then you got to play without him. And for him, I mean, he benefits a lot from having McDavid on the ice. That's for sure. So 
But I think they actually did a good job. I, I think the concussion spotter saw the impact. His, I mean, he fell and face planted the ice. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for them to say, okay, hey, the, you know, he might look okay, but that's a play where you could get a concussion. We should pull him aside, spend five minutes or so just to see if he's okay and, and ready to go back out there and make sure he's 100% ready to go. Because if you're not and you send him back out there, you know you're you're jeopardizing you're jeopardizing this guy's career if if you you know if you send him back out there when he's concussed and we've seen it happen with Paul Correa we've seen it happen with Eric Lindros back in the day when they didn't regulate this and, and their careers ended early I mean Paul Correa is a prime example of that his career ended way too early um, so I mean I think it was a good call for them to pull him off the ice of course. When you're a player on your team and you see your best player get pulled off the ice and you th- you know he says he's okay and you expect you you would think that he'd be okay it's disappointing but you know you got to look at it a long term and say you know what if he wasn't okay and they left him on the ice and it had long term effects and then he's out for longer than just you know five to ten minutes in a game. Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right, and I mean this is a regular season game too. That not a big deal. It wasn't like the Stanley Cup final when the Ducks, you know, played the Devils with Korea, which was, you know, I'm not saying that it should have been different back then, but it, it would have been with the way the rules were. But don't forget when Korea got knocked out, you know, he came back in and scored. So um, it's interesting if it would have, you know, if when it comes playoff time, how these are going to happen too. These decisions are going to be very. Uh, important, but I, I mean, I agree with you overall. I mean, you gotta protect these people. I mean, you have McDavid that's you know super early in his career. You don't want him to have it shortened, like what, as you mentioned, with Korea or some of these other players as well. Um, but yeah, and and your other little point there, yeah, Minnesota did go on to win that game. They won two to one. Just in case anybody was wondering, um, some quick other little updates before we wrap up this show. Uh, going back to some of our f- other former Ducks. Uh, more former, uh, we have uh, Travis Moan. He ended up uh, retiring. Uh, you know, remember he was on the Stanley Cup team back in 2007. You also had J.S. Shiger. He went to the uh, Hall of Fame for the Quebec uh, Junior Hockey League. So a couple of those names came up too in the news recently. Of course, both of them on the Stanley Cup champion team. And uh, you know, just uh, little updates there, Eddie. You know, obviously t- two other guys that were key to the Ducks' success. But uh, you know, back in that uh, season, and uh, you know, obviously in a few other seasons as well. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's nice to see these guys get rewarded. Obviously, Travis Bowen had a, a hard fought career. Uh, he played in a time where you know he, you you needed enforcers on your team, and they played an important role. And he played an important role for the Ducks in their Stanley Cup run as well. So, I think it you know it's nice to see him. Obviously, it's not nice to see his career come to an end, but for him to you know retire on his own terms, especially playing the role that he did, where he didn't have to end his career because he couldn't play hockey anymore. So it's nice to see him you know get arrested and be able to do that. And then for for Shiger, I mean, for the matter of time, really. I mean, he's a legendary goalie <laughs> in the NHL. I mean, I'm surprised he hadn't already been inducted into the QMJHL Hall of Fame already. So it's a great honor for him. Um, and you know, especially we see a lot of him with him being part of the Ducks broadcast now. So it'll be, it's nice to see him get honored in, in that sense. 
Yeah, and you know, with that, uh, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, All Star type players, don't forget the uh, All Star voting is open for the team captains. Uh, so you can go to NHL.com. You can vote. Uh, obviously, vote, you'd want to vote for the Ducks. Maybe Fowler, uh, Kessler, Gatsloff. You know, one of those guys. There's only a couple uh, players per each team that are on there, but you can go on there and vote uh, for each of the divisions. So make sure to check that out. And uh, with that, you know, we'll wrap up the show. We'll be back uh, next week uh, covering all the action and, you know, all the news around the league. And, of course, uh, with the goals, too, in San Diego as well. And thanks for joining us. And let's go, Ducks.